Cincinnati Real Talk brought to you by KCRER. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Sean Mueller. Whoa, Sean. Who? Wait, Sean Mueller? Who's? Wait, Alex Gehring's my co-host. Who are you? Oh, uh, well, you know, I I just kind of wandered off the street. I saw this podcasting equipment just sitting here waiting to be used, and I thought I'd sit down. Is that and okay? Will, yeah, that's totally cool. And I will say, and people can't see this, but you have one of the best podcasting setups I have ever seen. And so we may kick Alex off the show and you might just be the new podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so Alex had a uh, scheduling conflict today. They happen. We all do have them from time to time. And so you're sitting in for Alex today. Sean, tell us about uh, uh, yourself. Who are you? Where did you come from other than wandering in off the street? Oh my gosh. Well, so I have been in the business for a little over 22 years now, and I was dragged into real estate, kicking and screaming by my lovely, lovely mother, Charlene, who is still a practicing agent, by the way. And she, from the time I was 18, she wanted me to get in the business. And I was like, no, I, I remember seeing her, you know, her beeper would go off in the middle of, of dinner and she'd run up and she'd run out to a payphone, and, and then she'd have to go. And so I remember growing up around that and, and it, it was not, not what I wanted. I, I was going to be a famous actor. That was, that was my, going to be my lot in life. Uh, it's what I got my, I got my undergraduate degree in theater and film and I did what what all actors do. I moved to one of the coasts. And so I went to LA for a while and had had a great time, had great success, but knew I wanted to do something different. And my mom and I were having a conversation one night and she said, this is the last time I'm ever asking you. She goes, why don't you come home for a little while, try real estate and see if you like it. And if you like it, we'll form a team. And if you don't like it, that's fine. Go to grad school or whatever. And so I don't know what it was at that moment. I think I was just done with LA. I decided to come home. And as it turned out, mama knew best. Uh, I, I love I love real estate. I, I loved it from the moment I got started. Uh, I think what drew me in initially was just seeing the excitement, especially at the time Charlene was working a lot with, with first-time home buyers. And so I really, really loved being a part of that excitement that that those first-time home buyers have. And and uh it it just I think maybe it's my theater background, it being a people person, it, it just drew me into the industry. And I worked with my mom uh, as a team for for just about a little over 16 years and decided about seven years ago to make the leap into brokerage. And uh, she would, she has never let me forget that, that I, I left her. So, um, but um, I, I had the opportunity to become the managing broker of the uh, Prairie Village office of Reese Nichols, which sort of felt like a homecoming. It sort of felt like the, the next step in my career because this is the building where my mom started her career 37 years ago. And so I'm sort of uh, managing the office where I played in as a kid. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I really love uh, being uh, in a role where, where I can help other agents uh, you know, learn the business, grow their business, and, and um, overcome the natural changes and obstacles that, that happen in, in our industry. So my next question was going to be, and you kind of already answered this because I can math in my head. I'm kind of good at these things. Um, is the how, when did your mom get into the business? Like, was did you were you born and she was already a realtor? Did she get in at some certain point? And I'm just mathing in my head of like, okay, she were already born and in this world. 
So as a child, you something at some point in time, your life changed. So what had your mom done before real estate and how did your life change once your mom got into real estate? And I'm going to raise my hand. My mom got into real estate when I was eight. So we have some very similar stories from what you've already said. And I was never going to be a realtor. Here I am just like you. So yep. what did she do before and how did your life change once she got in? So I was, I think I was maybe 10, 10 years old, 11 years old, something like that when, when she got into the business. And uh, before that, I, uh, my, my parents ran a business here in town. And um, when they closed that business, she, she was looking for sort of the next thing to do. She, because they, they owned a business, she was able to very largely be a stay-at-home mom I, while me and my older siblings were growing up. And uh, when she decided to make that leap into real estate, I remember my parents sitting me down and, and having this conversation with me about that you know, mom wasn't necessarily going to be home when I got home from school and um, that it was okay to just come home, lock the door, don't answer, you know, don't answer the door for anybody and, and wait for my older siblings to get home. And so they, they drilled this into me. And the, the first time my mom had a client, she called home just to check on me after school. And so asks me all the questions, did you get home? Okay. Did you lock the door? Uh, did you get something to eat? All those things. And then she said, do you have any other questions for me? And me being the smart aleck that I was, that I still am, she, I, I responded by saying, does this mean I'm a latchkey kid now? And what I didn't know is that she was sitting there with her clients and she started crying. And it was, it was like, she, another thing she's never let me forget, but, but her clients thought that maybe they didn't get the house. <laughs> so, and she's like, no, my, my kid's just being horrible. But, um, but that is, uh, that is, uh, that was her background, but something that, that I always, um, that, that my mom really instilled in me and, and that I, I try to instill in other agents is that as realtors, we are a big community. It doesn't matter what brokerage you're from, um, where you're at, um, we get better as an industry when we support each other. Mm -hmm. And it's, I was going to go a different direction, but you just brought that up. I actually just came back from, um, I was in Lafayette, Louisiana earlier this week. Um, and one of my brokers was putting on something for the entire real estate community in Lafayette, Louisiana, um, just a one day conference. And it was all different brands. It was little independence. It was regional franchises. And then it was like your national franchises. And we, ended up having like 40 people there. And I'm going to tell you, it's one of the best conferences that I've ever been to. And it was put on by a brand, but everybody in that room was just so much adding to everybody else saying, oh, I do this. Oh, I do that. Our industry is seriously like no other in the way that we share with our competitors, because we also understand we have to cooperate together. Those relationships we build in this business and just the way our industry acts is just unlike any other. So I just, I just, that's one of the things I think that I love and why, you know, like you, I resisted real estate. I was actually licensed on my 18th birthday against my will, but I had to do it because otherwise mom's like, yeah, you're out of the house. And I'm like, and I've grown to love this industry because of the people and the way that we mostly treat each other, not every day, but the yeah. way we mostly treat each other. Has that have been your experience? Like that's been the, the cane that keeps you going? Yes, absolutely. I think that 
you know, to, to love what you do, a lot of times you, you have to enjoy the people that you're around and that you work with on a daily basis. And, and, and what you said is so true. Relationships really, really matter in this business. And it, and it does, it goes far beyond the reach of that is far beyond, uh, you know, our client relationships. It really is the, the, the other agents we interact with, the, the vendors that, that we're working with, all of that, um, it, it creates, you know, something more than a salesperson type of thing. Because I, I, I always kind of cringe when people call us salespeople. I think we are, you know, important shepherds of, you know, that old saying that, that, that you know, we're, we really help people through their most important financial transactions. Um, and there's so much responsibility that comes with that. And, and part of that responsibility is, 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 is to each other, to, 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 to be good to each other. We can, we can do our fiduciary duty and we can properly represent our clients um, without being a jerk. Yeah. Well, some of us can. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. There's always outliers, you know, there. Um, I do want to go back to one question and not that we're trying to talk about violating any license laws at all, to be very clear. But as a child growing up, did you ever at any point become like an assistant for your mom and do uh, like I had a pager in high school because I might as soon as school was over, I might have to go do something and go run an errand for my mom. Did you ever become a personal assistant at any level for your mom? Yeah. So there, there were two things. So when when she started in the business, my my siblings and I were, were told uh, time and time again, if you see a for sale by owner sign uh, anywhere out in the neighborhood or whatever, you need to let me know right away. And if I get that listing, I'm going to give you a little, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And, and so we'd be driving down the street and I'd scream, Fizbo mommy, Fizbo. And uh, to my knowledge, she never got any of those in like, you know, maybe she just wasn't. She wasn't paying you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then the, the other you know, there were other things like she would have me fold flyers for her. She would have me, um, she'd have me, she only did this once. There, there was one day she wanted me to go door hang mm -hmm. and it was a really hot summer's day and, and, and I got lazy and I started just dropping it on people's doorsteps instead of hanging it on the door. And that was the last time she asked me to do that part. What's well, like, it's like, you said your mom been in the industry 37 years. And I think my mom got in about 36, 37 years ago. So it was about the same timeline. And you talk about folding flyers. I remember back in the day, we'd go take just a outside photo of the house. That was it. And you got it on the film camera. And then you went to the one hour photo, you developed the films, and then you got like 50 color copies made of that one photo. And then you glue sticked it to the, the flyer. You glue sticked a card on because we didn't even have color copiers back in the day. And that's how you made a color flyer. Does that resonate with you at all? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I remember doing all that stuff, not only for my mom, but, you know, when I got in, we were still doing that. And I remember you know, the, the, the big deal it was to, to go to, what was that flyer service Excel or the, the ones who made yeah. the big thick book. Yeah. We, yeah. I remember making those flyers and making sure it was just right so that you could take it and they could make a bajillion copies to, to send out to every agent. Yeah. And then even just like, and this didn't even go away and, and some places still have them, but not as much the flyer boxes that hung on the side of the, uh, the side of the sign, these young agents getting into the business nowadays, have no idea whatsoever. I mean, I even remember back when my mom first got in real estate, a contract was one page long and it was carbon copied and mm -hmm. you kept the yellow one, they got the pink one and the lender got the white one or whatever it was. And that was, there was, there was no multiple pages. There was none of that. And it's just, 
thank you for taking me down that journey down uh, <laughs> times in the past. So now one of the parts to our podcast that we do is that I have a book bit every time Alex normally sings the song, neither of us can sing. So we are not even going to approach the song. I'm just going to give you Bobby's book bit for today. And then usually this drum roll, we're not going to do that. We're good to go. All right. So my book bit for this time is a book I read a long time ago. And then somebody brought it up at a conference I was at this last week. And I was like, I've never done that as a book bit. So today's book bit is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Almost everybody's heard of Atomic Habits, but a lot of you have said, oh, I know all about that, but you probably haven't read it. So let me tell you why you should read Atomic Habits and what it's going to do for you. So Atomic Habits is a definitive guide to break bad behaviors so that you can adopt good ones. And it's all about your habits. So my favorite quote from the book is, habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. And too often we get caught in the big picture and not the little bitty habits that need to go into our day-to-day activities so we can make those um, big steps in self-improvement. So there are three lessons that I got from reading the book. My very first lesson is that all habits are based on a four-step pattern. And um, when it comes to habits, the author talks about environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. And that's why a prompt is always the first step in performing any habit. And it might not be an external prompt, but it usually is. So the four-step pattern is the first thing is that prompt or a cue. And the cue is a piece of information that suggests there might be a reward to be found, like the smell of a cookie or a dark room waiting to light up. The second step is the craving, the motivation to change something in order to get that reward, like tasting the cookie or being able to see. And then the third step is a response whatever thought or action you need to take you to get you to the reward. And then the final step obviously is the reward itself. And that's that satisfying feeling you get from the change along with the lesson you learn like a Pavlov's dog of what that change will bring to you and whether you want to do that again or not do that again. And then the second lesson is in the book is to form habits. You have to make them obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. So this is another of the four laws of behavior change, as James Clear says in the book. And the first one is make it obvious. You know, if you're trying to lose weight, don't hide your fruits in the fridge, put them right out there on display. So you have to walk past them and see them on a regular basis. The next one is to make it attractive. So start with a fruit that you like, And then you'll actually want to eat it and then move on to maybe a fruit you like a little less, but maybe you'll discover maybe you do like it. The third one is to make it easy. Don't create needless friction by focusing on fruits that are hard to peel. You know, stick with a banana and an apple to begin with and then move on to the orange. I love oranges, but they're just way too much work. And I know that's really random, but it's like I will, I buy cuties and then I never get around to eating them because I got to peel them and then they got the strings on them. So it's like bananas and apples, that can be my jam. And then finally, make it satisfying. If you like a fruit you picked, you'll love eating it and you'll feel healthier as a result. And then finally, the third lesson in the book is habit trackers are a fun, easy way to ensure that you stick with your new behavior. When you keep a record of all the behaviors you want to establish, 
and or abandon. And at the end of the day, you marked which ones you succeeded with. It's, I've talked about in the past as I actually became a part of a, uh, a running group and you were required to run one mile every day for at least 100 days. And you had to take a photo and post your pace stats. And if you didn't, you got kicked out of this Facebook group. Uh, once a week, they would go clean out people. And so just having the habit of tracking it, knowing that I had to post it, kept me to it. But what I found was interesting is that it actually, um, the strategy is actually sometimes called the Seinfeld productivity hack. And it was based on obviously comedian Jerry Seinfeld, but he marked his calendar with a big red X every day he came up with a new joke. And his goal was not to break that cycle of coming up with a new joke every single day. So there is a million ways out there to track your habits, but it can be something as simple as putting a check mark um, on your calendar to make sure you did that habit that day. And so that's my book, Bic, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Highly recommend everyone read it. It's been, you know, one of those things that helped change my world. So, all right. I think it's probably time for us to go bring on our guest. Our guest today is going to be Heather Elias. She is the vice president of real estate for Pearl Certification which teaches real estate agents all they need to know about energy efficiencies and homes. Let's go get Heather. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk brought to you by KCRAR. I'm still Bobby. We still have Sean with us. And now we have our guest, Heather Elias, VP of Real Estate for Pearl Certification with us. So Heather, we're going to talk a little bit about Pearl and what Pearl does here in a minute. But talk to us about Heather, I've known you for a very long time through NAR, and you've worn a lot of different hats over the years. So tell us a little bit how you got into real estate and all the different hats that you wear. Fair question. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you, Bobby. And yeah, we've gone back so far that probably it still bears explanation on what I'm working on these days, um, because I, I guess I've been so embedded in the real estate industry for the last 20 years that... Um, I've done so many different things. And the, the cool thing is now the role that I'm in is giving me the opportunity to kind of bring everything together. So the, the Cliff Notes version of my background is that I got my realtor's license in 2004 uh, when my youngest child was just six weeks old and she's now heading into her second year of college. So you take from that what you will. But over that period of time, I have, let's see, gotten my broker's license, built a team, uh, and built an entire business around content marketing and digital marketing before starting from before we even had social media to help support that. Um, I worked for NAR for a couple of years running digital and social strategy, came back over onto the brokerage side as a brokerage exec and hired agents and opened offices and ran marketing and launched training to agents, uh, technology training to agents and all kinds of different things. Um, most recently in the last seven years, though, my focus has been on um, consulting with emerging prop tech companies in real estate. And that's kind of how I got my introduction to Pearl, who was one of my first consulting clients all the way back in 2018, um, when they were coming off of being a 2017 NAR Reach class member. So portfolio member for NAR Reach. Um, and, you know, my heart has always been on improving the industry in whatever way I could. So um, so it's really, it's really fulfilling to be in a role that lets me work on things that are helpful to brokers, agents, consumers, you know, MLSs and associations. So it's kind of like threading all of these things together into, into this one great spot for me right now. 
And and Heather, um, and I actually I was thinking it, and then you said it anyways. And so I was like, perfect segue into this. Um, before we get into what Pearl actually does and then how we educate consumers and the, our, our agents with them, talk to us a little bit about NAR Reach, because I'm sure we have people who are listening who've never, NAR Reach, what's that? Um, and as someone who's been a part of um, being one of the mentors for them for a very long time, but you've actually worked directly with Reach, what is Reach? <laughs> fair question, fair question. So um, Second Century Ventures is the investment arm for NAR, which helps um, find and curate and bring along these companies that can be impactful to the real estate industry. And NAR Reach is an, an accelerator program. And what that means is each year they choose, I think it's it's 10, might be 12 companies to be part of that year's Reach class. And what happens when you're part of a Reach class is that there's a variety of resources that become available to the companies at that point, including the mentor program, which you know I participated in from 2012 on, um, and you know Bobby, you've participated in as well. Mm-hmm. So they have access. Reach companies have access to um, industry folks that can help them shape their products, shape their message, and kind of shape the way that they reach out to the industry to make them more effective, more um, shaped to what agents and brokers need. So awesome, awesome program. We've seen, I mean, I think DocuSign mm-hmm. came up through NAR Reach. There's lots of wonderful companies along the way. And I think uh, Box Brownie also came up through NAR Reach. And the way I always describe NAR Reach is it's like Shark Tank for real estate. That's yes. the yeah. best way. It's a, investors were investing in it and then we're providing that arm of helping them grow their businesses and using people in the real estate industry to help them better their businesses so that we will purchase their product. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fair enough. Um, I'll ask one last question before I let Sean take over. Before Sean's just like, I'm just sitting here, Bobby, you keep talking. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about Pearl certification and what Pearl actually does. We don't normally do a pitch of a company, but I think it's really important to understand what Pearl does before we get into, you know, energy efficiencies and things like that. Sure. And, you know, and real estate is one portion of the ecosystem for Pearl. So at its heart, Pearl is a company that works to um, make transparent and also guard the value of high-performing home features uh, on behalf of the consumer and the professionals that they work with. And that's kind of the 30,000-foot statement. But what it means on the real estate side is, you know, as we're working with, as agents are working with clients on at any point in the home ownership cycle, a home doesn't have to be a high-performing home to have high-performing home features. And at the time that we transact real estate with a client, we're not always the best at looking inside the walls of the house or fully articulating the value of some of these features. So the products and services and tools and education and all the work that we do at Pearl is to help actualize at the time of transaction what the value of these energy efficient features are. And that even translates into uh, the marketing materials that get used on the house, the appraisal addendum that ties into it. So pre-filling out an appraisal addendum. And it also looks like us building out an appraiser uh, council and classes to teach appraisers so that we have a whole slew of properly trained appraisers who can value these things appropriately when uh, when we get to the point of you know getting a mortgage on these properties. So, so we kind of figure out how to fit into the entire ecosystem of all of the players that um, affect uh, home value and the way that high-performing home features are 
uh, are looked at in the course of um, renovations to homes and transactions of homes. And Heather, how am I, so as an agent, if I've already got a passing familiarity with something like a lead certification, for example, how does Pearl differ from that? So that's, that's an awesome question. So what we do that's a little different is we provide context for both the agent and the consumer to understand what all of that information means. So if you do a, certif a Pearl certification on your listing, let's say, what, what that means is we will give you a whole report that tells you which features in your home are high performing. Uh, we'll score the home based on those features. We'll give you a report that you can include with your listing. We'll give you a certificate that could be put in the photos so that it's evident to the buyer what we're looking at. Tour cards that go in the house to highlight the features themselves. The appraisal addendum to spell it out to the appraiser the list of the green MLS fields that you should be checking off when you go to put it in, suggested language for your um, remarks section, uh, letter to the buyer, to the buyer's agent, uh, or I'm sorry, to the buyer's agent, to the lender, and to the appraiser so that they understand what these features are. And obviously the pre-filled out appraisal addendum. Um, and also suggested contract language. We make suggested contract language available if you have solar to think about and potentially needing to do the solar equity calculation. Solar is kind of a, a different, um, solar certification is a little bit different than an energy efficient certification, but also suggested contract language so that you can ensure that the appraiser that is uh, requested for your listing can, uh, can be properly trained. So, you know, and the ways to write that into your purchase contract to protect your seller. So, so there's this whole level of transparency around what these features mean to the listing uh, that we're helping provide. And, the, and, you know, insofar as some of the other certifications and the way that they, put, they play into it, you know, we're really trying to help the consumer make sense of what this information means for a home um, and also help the agents understand. So, you know, we've got a massive educational push going on right now to try to democratize the vocabulary around all of, it, all of this because agents think that green is a niche. Um, and, and I really feel like it's more of a day-to-day -day business practice issue now than, than where it has been in past years, so. And, and I love that because to me, it sounds like you're taking a very holistic approach to let's look at the whole problem. Let's let's look at it from the agents to, to consumer education, et cetera, and come up with solutions that benefit all. I was thinking about this. So I was the other day I was listening to another podcast uh, called Ologies with Allie Ward, and she was interviewing uh, a, a guy who is a domicologist. So somebody who studies the the, the, the life cycle of abandoned buildings. And he was talking about uh, where this relates to, to what we're talking about today. What he was talking about is that in his field, and I believe his name was, was Dr. Uh, Rex Lamore. Um, he was talking about how what he advocates for in the real estate industry is that we begin to look at buildings from their inception. So houses being built or houses being improved to not only look at what are the energy efficiency improvements we can make during the life cycle uh, of that building, but what is the end game? What does it look like at the end of the useful life of that structure? And how can we recycle or reuse materials or, or, or uh, you know, 
things that, that were energy efficient when, when the house was built, how can we reuse those into the next structure? So I'm, I'm curious if, if your organization does that kind of approach at all, where, where they're not just looking at the now, but, but what does that mean for the structure in 70 years and 90 years when, when maybe it's time for it to be torn down or, or, or repurposed? Uh, are, are there considerations that go into that? Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I've never heard the term domocologist and I'm certainly going to look him up. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean we are we are looking at it in the looking forward on how can we empower consumers to help make good decisions around adding energy efficient features to their home. We have a whole um contract network of vetted contractors that will certify the work that they do on a home to increase the energy efficiency. That's a big part of our of our ecosystem as well. And the the homeownership direct, the homeowner direct piece for us, we have an app called Green Door that's consumer facing. And within there, um, homeowners can upload the information about the assets in their home kind of get a feel for where you're at right now, and then plan for investing in your home. You can create a home investment plan. It'll suggest to you the things that you can do based on what your house is right now to make it more energy efficient. So it's that is a wonderful tool for consumers specifically. It's also a great tool for agents in the sense that you can offer this up to your clients and kind of have a look in on the things that they're doing to improve their homes along the way. It's particularly useful right now because we have the Inflation Reduction Act funds coming down from the federal level. We're still waiting on the guidelines to know how the states are going to parse the funds out for this. But billions of dollars in rebates and tax credits are coming available for consumers. So we're in this really wonderful spot right now where our homeowners are going to be financially encouraged to make these energy efficient improvements to their homes um, and we will have a calculator um, that consumers can use to figure out what rebates they can take advantage of. How can you stack these rebates and tax credits that are available to you? And how can you make good decisions um, going forward about improving your home? And that's, you know, and I think, gosh, the the 70 year, 90 year projection out on the on the sustainable lifespan of a home and what do we do with it? That's I think that's a component we haven't gotten to yet, but what a great call out because it fits completely in with, um, you know, kind of our mission around uh, sustainability. And I'm so you said, Doctor uh, Rex, uh, Doctor uh, Rex Lamore. I believe he is out of Michigan State University. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to take that look. Take a look up on that because that's really cool. Really cool. Make yeah. sure you give Sean a shout out whenever you take it to your bosses. Like, That's a <laughs> idea I have. And um, now, Heather, one of the reasons you reached out to me before we had the, uh, I'm always going to call them mid-year meetings in DC, like they're not legislative, they're, they're mid-year. So let's just be clear there, um, is be because Missouri has a special program right now. So can you talk a little bit about the program that's going on in Missouri and why you were attracted to Missouri? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we have an entire public-private partnership arm of Pearl as well, which we also have a new build division as well. But this is a holistic approach to, uh, to how we're tackling this. Missouri is, uh, of, is of highest priority to us. We are actually partnered with Renew Missouri um, in their program. So if you go and look at Renew Missouri Homes, you'll see that it's powered by Pearl. So uh, we are 
I, I think I just yesterday was having a, having a presentation with the um, the DNR for Missouri because it's the benefit for you guys is you have a very plugged in um, state level system around the encouragement of MHEX. And uh, are you are you guys familiar with with those certifications within because Missouri has its own energy yeah. certification within your state too. So. Um, those are certainly materials I can provide through to you guys that you could attach to this uh, mm -hmm. after the call too. But uh, any anybody could go to the renewmissourihomes.com uh, website and see all of the information about the way that program is being is being run. But but yeah, I mean for for us as a company, we're at our best when the whole ecosystem is functioning in a certain market and geography. Um, and Missouri is a great example because we do have. A thriving contractor network in Missouri, a thriving uh, public partnership happening there, and and obviously tight ties to the real estate community as well. Awesome. So, can you tell us a little bit? So, we talked about it like at a very high level, but can we break it down a little bit? What are some of the the qualities of a home that would make it to be considered high performing? Because we keep using those words, high performing, and I think we're used to more like energy efficiency, which I, they feed into each other. But what are some of those qualities in a home? So I think one of the things that I have have tried to stress is that a home doesn't have to have have to be considered high performing to have high performing features. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a lot of agents look at uh, green, high performing, energy efficiency as this, oh, we don't have, I don't work with homes like that, or that's a niche I'm not working in. And when we look at typical listings, I mean, Energy Star appliances, mm -hmm. you know, not a, when we do listings, right, we just count the number of ceiling fans and the number of refrigerators that are conveying and which, in which appliances are staying and which are going, but we don't look into what those actually are. Is there a difference between, there certainly is, an energy efficient dishwasher and a non-energy efficient dishwasher when you look at what your utility bills are going to be. Is a house fully electrified? We have an electrified home badge. So are you using any fossil fuels in the way that your home is running or is everything powered by electric? Um, and, you know, obviously if there's a solar array on a house and a, you know, a Tesla vehicle charger in the garage, like those are, those are things that an agent is going to see and understand. But there's other things like upgraded insulation or HVAC that is um, more efficient than others, higher SEER ratings. Mm -hmm. You know, so so that's part of what we're helping make sense of for agents. And with our real estate network, um, which any realtor can can join for free, we have educational materials that are in there. And one of them is a high performing homes checklist. So it gives you an idea of what to look at when you walk into a home, whether you're showing it. Or whether you're listing it, um, but it could be anything from rain barrels to um, landscaping that is uh, set in a way to help maximize, uh, you know, shade so that your your home doesn't get as hot. There's there's a million different things that you can look at. So we're, what we're trying to do is help democratize that vocabulary and help agents make sense of it, um, so that they can then properly market homes and explain them the right way on the buying side too. And Heather, I was looking at the, the website earlier, the Pearl website, and saw the, the figures at the bottom that have the number of homes certified versus the number of homes scored. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you explain the difference between that and as a sort of a follow-up, 
aside from saying every home in, in the United States, what is the pie in the sky number uh, for your organization? Is there a, are there near term or long term goals in terms of how many homes that, that do get certified? Great question. So homes we've scored homes that aren't that don't hit the level of being able to be pearl silver, pearl gold, or pearl platinum. Um, and the reason is not every house is a, a energy efficient home or a high performing home, right? So for for a home to get to silver, generally speaking, there are some bigger points numbers involved with either the insulation of the home, the ceiling of the home, and the, um, the HVAC units. So we can score any home. And I think that we can be helpful to an agent working with any home, right? Because if it's if it's one that qualifies to be certified, um, then it's you know silver as a I don't want to say a baseline necessarily. Uh, I think it's seven hundred points to get to silver, and that's I, those things are explained on the website too. But for a home that doesn't quite get to that threshold, we could we still have them counted as having been scored because we then have an idea of what the assets are in the home. So that's sort of an asset verification or an asset certification. So that helps an agent understand um, and helps a consumer understand where a house is right now. So we could have a home that has three or four Energy Star appliances in it, but it's not going to rise to the level of silver because maybe the HVAC unit is particularly inefficient or the water heater is, is outdated, some, something along those lines. So, but the one thing that we can do for homes that we score that aren't certified is we can pair that with a home improvement plan to help the homeowner or the home buyer, home seller, figure out what things they can do to make it more efficient and get it over that threshold. So the, you know, when we look at the, the pie in the sky goal, I think, you know, it, it has less to do with the hard numbers around the certifications and more to do with the um, being a resource to consumers and to their agents uh, to help them make good decisions, whether it's at the selling point, at the buying point, um, after they've bought and trying to figure out what to do with their new home at that, you know, from that stage. Um, from, from my standpoint, I would be thrilled if we had the opportunity to be helpful to a large swath of agents as they are trying to conduct their business. For me, that's like, that's the, the big win is figure out how to, you know, when, when you look at a house that has a solar array on it, go, where do I go for help on this? We're going to go to Pearl. They can help me get, they can help me figure this out to take care of my client. Like to me, that's the, that's the ultimate win. And, and Heather, what I liked about, as you talked about, you have these educational resources for realtors that are free. You're not, trying to sell us, you know, do whatever you're, 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 you is particularly in your role is coming from a place of education. So when we're looking at that, um, when agents are um, talking to their clients about energy efficiencies um, and different features of a home, what advice would you give them if they're just starting from scratch and they're completely lost on how to talk about these things and the importance, whether it's on the sell side or the buy side? Great question. I have two pieces of advice for them. And the first one is come join our network. Um, if you go to our website, there's a page that has a form on it. Very easy to fill out. You can you pop your NRDS number in there and a little bit of information and we'll invite you into our um, network portal. It's called the Spark. 
And inside that, and again, all of this is free, we have, um, we have frontline staff that are there to answer questions. You can network with other agents that are working on this stuff. We have um, some training materials right off the bat, three short training videos that you can walk through that'll kind of help you wrap your brain around it. But that's where we can jump in and be helpful. Just tell us what you're working on and we'll figure out a way to help you work through it. You know, what questions are you getting from your clients? How can we help answer them? And so that's that's available for for any agent. And, you know, we're really working on building out tools to, um, you know, help create some, uh, templated listing materials for you. So you can have these things to help explain checklists that you can work off of, um, you know, that's and obviously we have the homeowner facing tools that are available also for free um, green door in particular. Um, and the second, the second place that I would point to, we have a great relationship with NAR and the green designation. So um, a lot of our network members are green designees. And I, so as a, I, I have my green designation um, as, cause I am still a realtor, um, <laughs> but that's also a great resource for, for education as well. Um, but yeah, just please avail yourself of all of the free things that are there um, within our network and don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions. We have a membership manager that we just hired that is full-time frontline there for agents to help sort through these kind of these kind of business things and, and give you the support and materials that you need to be successful in your business. Um, my last question that I ask um, all guests before we wrap up their podcast is what else? What else should we have asked you? What else should we be talking about? What else do you want our listeners to know? about anything. It could just be about golf or softball that your kids all play. Cause you're, you're, you have an amazing sports family, by the way. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, goodness. I think, um, you know, I would, I would love to hear from more agents about how this fits in their business and the challenges that they have, um, in, in incorporating these into the conversations that they're having with their clients. So, um, you guys asked awesome questions. I think we covered um, a ton of ground. And I, you know, I sort of feel like we're trying to boil the ocean a little bit and getting in front of as many realtors as we can. Um, the, the one thing that I want to that I want to emphasize is that I think that the the industry has shifted and I want to do the best that we can to help agents catch up. You know, when you look at the way homes are being built now. Um, and the energy efficiency pieces that go into that, um, you know, it, in the last decade, I think as agents, we've lost track of um, the house itself yeah. and highlighting being very transparent about what the house is when we're selling it. And I think we're losing, we're leaving some value on the table for our, our listing clients in the process. So I I'm hopeful that, that we're building some things that will make it easier to, um, to showcase this and, and create some more equity for our sellers and help our agents uh, be more successful. Awesome. Thank you for your time today, Heather. Thank you for being a guest and being here with us. And I just really appreciate it. And I look forward to more conversations about the ways we can all work together because I really, what you, what you guys are doing is very important and it's going to help all of us and help our industry as a whole. So I really appreciate that. Thanks, Heather. Thanks so much for having me.